for the Gideons. It's an important ministry. How many of you have been touched by the Gideons in your life? Anybody? I, I know I have. I mean, I, um, I do not have my copy when I, from fifth grade because um, when we moved, when my mom and dad moved from um, the house I grew up in to the next house, um, we threw a lot of boxes away. And one of the boxes was some old junk of mine, uh, at least Dad thought it was. And uh, Mom later on said, Steve, you threw away all of John's elementary schoolwork that I wanted to keep. And in that was, was some of that stuff because she had packed it up. And um, But you know what, I still remember uh, where I was at, what where the school was at, and, and just walking by. And so... Um, do we have any other Gideons in here? Anybody that served in the Gideons? Um, okay. Um, sometimes we do. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1 um, this morning. Um, Acts chapter 1. Also, it's good to see Jeremy. Jeremy's been working a lot, a lot lately, and I know he's he's glad to be here. Um, and not only uh, the table out here is a, a magazine um, on missions. Um that um, comes to Miss Ruth Ann and Miss Class's class, and there, there's just a bunch of copies left. And if you'd like to pick one up, go pick it up. There's um, I've been glancing through it this morning, and there's some really good articles about what God is doing around the nations and what God is doing with His church. Let me ask a question this morning. How many of you have been to a place in your life where you have been so desperate for God to work that you didn't even know how to pray. You, you, you ever been there? You're desperate. You want to see God work, but you don't even know how to ask God to work in your life. We, I think we've all been there. We've all been places where, God, we, I need you to work, but I don't even know how to ask for you to do a work. Here's something I want to give us comfort with this morning. I want us to, I want you to hear, I want you to be excited this morning. Um, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's easy to do on a Sunday morning, and I think most of us have busy weeks. I'm going to ask you to stand for just a second. I'm going to ask you to stretch out just a little bit, and let's get alive. And I'm going to pray, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask the same thing Quentin asked at the beginning of the open service. We want the Holy Spirit to invade and he already has been here through worship, been through the testimony. But I want God to move right now because I want this morning to radically change our lives. And so, Father, I ask this morning that you, you get us going, you get us awake this morning, that you just drive us, Father, to a place, um, God, that, that only you know where it's at. That, Father, the, the questions, the things that we, we are asking in our hearts and our minds, Father, we would look to you for the answers, and we would really know, Holy Spirit, that you are so active. So, God, I ask that you just walk with us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. All right, you may be seated. In Acts chapter 1, in verse 15 through the end of the chapter, we find an interesting portion of Scripture that I think so often is overlooked. We, we just read past it. It's, it's Judas. It's the story of, of Peter talking about Judas and, and, his, and, his, and his end. And then the, the calling of, 
Matthias to to the ministry to fulfill Judas. And I think oftentimes we just read over it, right? Because it's kind of like, okay, I know what happened to Judas. Peter's just retelling that. Really cool. Matthias was chosen. They threw some dice, cast some lots, and Peter and Judas's role was filled, and we just kind of move on, don't we? Is that how you read it most of the time? You just kind of read it like that, right? It's just a part of early church history. But I don't want us to do that this morning. I, I think in this part of Scripture, we find an amazing deep theological truth and it's this God through his Holy Spirit has an invincible message and mission that can never be disrupted do you believe that that God through his Holy Spirit has an invincible message and mission that cannot be disrupted how many of you believe that can I get an amen? amen? Absolutely. And I think in this text, we see how the Holy Spirit of God has been working from the beginning, the foundation of the world, through the end. And even working in moments of tragedy. Oftentimes we ask the question, God, I'm going through this. What have I done to deserve this? God, this is happening to my friend. I know they're a good person. Why is this happening? I ask those questions. God, what is, uh, what are you, you, you doing? Why is this happening? And, and those are not wrong questions. But I want us to think this morning about what I think the question or the statement we should be asking more than that. God, how can I use this situation that I'm going through to bring you glory? And to see your name go across this community and the nations. Because I think that's what Peter was saying here as he's encouraging these disciples. As he was standing up, he was not saying, Lord, Judas left us, so what happens now? That's not what he, he asked. He said, Lord, Judas did an act, but you have a plan, and how are you going to work it out? We want to see you. So here's what I believe this morning in this text. In this text, we see the invincible mission of the Holy Spirit begin to work right before Pentecost. So here's what the text says. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters, and the number of people who were together was about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the Holy or that the Scriptures be fulfilled that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus for he was one of our number and shared in this ministry and now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages he fell head first his body burst open and his intestines spilled out this became known to all the residents of Jerusalem so that their own language in their own language, that field is called, whatever it's called, that is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling become desolate, and let no one live in it. And let, every, let someone else take his position. Therefore, from among um, the men who accompanied us during the time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, 
from among these, it is necessary that one become a witness for with us of his resurrection. So they proposed to Joseph, Paul, Barsabbas, who is also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, You, Lord, know everyone's heart. Show which of these two you have chosen. Take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas let left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots for them. And they let and the lot fell on Matthias. And was added to eleven apostles. Father, again, may your word, may this morning, may you transform our hearts. May we see, Holy Spirit of God, how you have an invincible mission and message that no matter what happens, no matter the tragedy, no matter the depths of the thing, that you have a message, message and mission that will never fail. May, us, may we realize that. May I realize that. May we speak of that this morning. In Christ's name, amen. We'll get as far as I can this morning with this. But R.C. Sproul says this. If there is one single molecule in this universe running around loose, totally free of God's sovereignty, then we have no guarantee that a single promise of God will ever be fulfilled. Did you hear that? There is not one single molecule in the universe of all of creation that is running loose on its own freedom that can't operate and does not operate in the will of God. That right there should bring us great comfort to know that God is so sovereign that the minutest of thing does not run outside of his will and his purpose for creation. And so when we come to Acts chapter 1, when we begin to read in this text, first thing that I want to ask this morning, the first th thought that I want to go through is this. God has, through the Holy Spirit, an invincible purpose. God has an invincible purpose that the Holy Spirit's going to fulfill. In this text, we see that, that Peter opens up that, and he's talking to the church. There's about 120 in the church. They're gathered together um, in, in the church, and they're gathered probably in the upper room, and they're waiting. They're waiting for this promised Holy Spirit that was talking about talked about in Acts chapter 8 that Jesus talked about in John. They're waiting for that. And Peter gets up and they're worshiping and says, Peter says, well, we got to deal with an issue. Judas has left us and now we know that that role has to be fulfilled. So Peter begins this speech and he says, and he begins to talk about it. And in verse 16, we see the key, I think, that unlocks some things for us. Brothers and sisters, it was what? What does the text say? It was what? necessary that the scripture be fulfilled that the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David foretold about Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus it was necessary that Judas betray Jesus Christ it was necessary so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. 
to Judas on that night as they're eating the Lord's Supper together. Judas walks out. He goes and he grabs his 30 pieces of silver. He meets with the Pharisees and he takes them to Jesus. And what does he do? He kisses Jesus. He identifies Jesus. Let me ask a question. What does Jesus do? How does Jesus Jesus look at Judas? Does he look at him with disgust and anger? He looks at him with what? Love and compassion. Even even in the upper room when they're eating the Lord's Supper, how does Jesus always address Judas? With love and compassion. He says, Judas, I know that you're going to do this. You have to do this. This is going to happen. And that's when the enemy, Satan, fills into Judas. Jesus still has compassion on Judas because he knew that before the foundation of the world that God had a plan for Jesus to give his life. And through that, Judas was going to be used. And the Holy Spirit is purposing. He's working through the life of Judas. Also, that night in that upper room, there was a man who was talking here. His name was Peter. Jesus also had told Peter what would happen to him in the time of the trial. That that Peter would do what? Would betray Jesus, right? That he would deny Jesus. Don't, Don't mark this or miss this. The betrayal of Judas and the denial of Peter are no different. They're both denials and betrayals of what Jesus, of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he was doing. Peter had an opportunity when a woman come up to him and say, you know what, yeah, I'm with him and you need to be as well. But he denied Jesus three times. Peter was in the garden with Jesus too, right? Jesus told Peter, I need you to stand here and I need you to what? I need you to watch and to pray. I need you to be here with me. And what did Judas or what did Peter do? He went to sleep. I often have heard it said in my life in, in the ministry. Man, if Jesus was standing here, I I know I would do more for him. If I got to see him face to face. I'd go out in the world more if I could see and walk with Jesus like the disciples did. I would do more because I was trained by Jesus. In In all reality, what would we do if we were Peter and being trained by Jesus? We would what? Fall asleep as well. Because here's the glorious news that we have. That Christ is living within us through the Holy Spirit and we have that power to go on. And Jesus is training us. He is walking with us. He is in this room right here, right now. Do you believe that? He is with our missionaries, whether through the IMB or through Gideons. He is with our people across the nations. God is moving with a purpose. You say, okay, John, what does this still have to do with the text? 
it was necessary for Judas to do what he did. It was going to be necessary as well for Peter to do what he did when Jesus said, you're going to do this. Because the word of God had spoken. Amen? When Jesus speaks, what happens? The word of God is spoken. So you got Judas and you got Peter. And in this text it says that Judas was going to do this act. And so often I think we, we focus in on what happened to Judas at the end. We focus on what happened to Judas at the beginning. But we never think about Judas between the moment of betrayal and the moment of his end. But Peter, we often think about what happened to Peter from the minute he denied to the minute he was restored on the shore. I think that time frame is vital to understand how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and what Jesus is trying to teach in this text to us. And here's what I want us to hear and I want us to see from this text. The reason that Peter is able to write and talk about Judas this way is Peter was able to repent on the shore. Judas went to the, the place that he went to because he was remorseful. I want you to hear, and I want to make this very clear this morning. I think more than not, we are remorseful over our sins and over our life and not repentant. And remorse leads, leads to more tragedy always. Because remorse is self-centered. Repentance is always Christ-centered. Christ is doing this. He is forgiving me and guiding me. Let me ask a question. How many of you had a sin in your life that keeps creeping up and you keep saying, God, I am sorry I've done that, and 15 minutes later you do the same thing? Anybody has ever been there? It's because we are oftentimes remorseful of that sin and not repentant of that sin. Let me use an example. Pornography is growing in our community and in our world, and you know that and you hear about that. And I often meet men who really want they say they want out. I talk to men. I want out of this. But oftentimes when I say let's walk in accountability, you know what happens? I can do this on my own. They're not wanting to be repentant. They're wanting to be remorseful. And that's where they're at. They're remorseful. Repentant men will say, you know what? I need all the help I can get. I need Christ walking with me. I need you walking with me. And I want freedom from this. And so, yes, it was necessary for Judas to do this. Yes, it was necessary for Peter to do what he did. And the text is very clear about that. Jesus is, is through Peter, the apostle, um, the Holy Spirit, through the apostle Peter saying, it was necessary for things to work this way. But it was not necessary. Hear me. Peter repented. Could Judas have repented? Judas have repented? Did he understand the gospel? Who did Judas walk with for three years? Jesus. Where was Judas when Lazarus was raised from the grave? With, with Jesus. Where was Judas when thousands of people were fed multiple times? With Jesus. 
Where was Judas when Jesus walked on the water to the boat? He was in the boat. He was with Jesus. Where was Judas when every act was being presented? Where was Judas when Jesus was preaching the gospel um, um, through the Mount, um, the Sermon on the Mount? He was with Jesus. Judas understood the gospel. Oftentimes, I've heard it in years past, that the, the difference between salvation and knowledge is 18 inches, right? I understand saying that because for the gospel to be real, it's got to be real in all of us, right? But the gospel's got to start with what? Knowledge. We have to know what God is saying. Judas knew it. Here's the difference. There's a difference between knowing a fact and living out that fact. The invincible purpose of the Holy Spirit will always work in tragedy, and that's where I want us to hear this. It is tragic what happens here. And Peter is wanting us to understand that tragedy happens, but that tragedy doesn't stop the mission and the message. There was a difference between Judas and Peter. One was remorseful over his actions, which led to something, and then there was Peter who was repentant. I think we run into situations and run into people often that we try to get them remorseful for their actions. We want them to see it and, and say, I'm sorry. But here's the thing. If I never, ever, ever repentive of a sin, what happens? I keep doing it. I heard a preacher once say this. I'll know when somebody is repentive of gossip when the gossip stops. He said, I can keep catching them and know that they're telling these stories or trying to cause issues, and I'll get with them, I'll talk with them, I'll say, Pastor, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. I'll never share that again. I'll never go and do that again. I'll never cause a problem again. And all of a sudden, two weeks later, they're a part of the parking lot committee again, and they're talking, or the telephone committee. They're remorseful, not repentant. Jesus could have repented. God would have known that before the foundation of the world. But God also knows the heart of Judas before the world was even founded. Do you believe that? Because the scripture also says, let his dwelling become desolate. I want you to hear before I move to the next point and before we move on this morning. I want you to hear, hear this. God knows whether you have a remorseful or a repentive heart. And God is concerned about that. And if you are still alive and you are still breathing, you have an opportunity, whether you're a believer who has issues in your life or whether you're an unbeliever, you still have an opportunity to receive Christ or repent of your sin and turn and walk in the way that he wants you to walk. You have that opportunity. God is always full of grace. God always works in this way. So there is an invincible 
movement of God. There is an invincible purpose of the Holy Spirit. He will work out what He is supposed to do. And that's what we find in the first few verses. And then of, of chapter, or the first few verses we looked at of chapter 1. And here's where I want to finish and camp out for the next just moment or two. In verse 21 through the end of the chapter. The invincible message of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a purpose, right? We can quench the Holy Spirit too, correct? Can we quench the Holy Spirit from fulfilling the ultimate purpose that God has for people? We can't. Because His mission and His message is going to go on, and that's what I want us to see here. When we quench the Holy Spirit in our own lives, we lose the benefit of what God wants to do. Why do churches close? Because they quench the Spirit of God to the point of God saying, I'm going to move on somewhere else and I'm going to work. That doesn't mean the, me the message and the mission of God changes. God still is working in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Where is He working? Where His Spirit is active and moving. Does God want to move and act here? Yes. Does God want to move and act at Silvercrest Baptist? Yes. God wants to act all over the place. The question is, are we willing to be on board with his mission and his message? Are we willing to do what Peter does here, starting in verse 21? He says this. He says, therefore, because Judas had a purpose, he completed that purpose, we now have a message and a mission to do. We have a work to do. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. The mission, the, I can't say that this morning. The mission and the message is this. When one of us falls, God is always raising someone else up. When you and I fall, when someone passes on, when we give in to temptation and we walk away from church, that doesn't mean that God is done. It just means that He's going to pick somebody else up. He's going to call them out and He's going to work. And I love what, what the way Peter phrases this. He says, beginning from the baptism of John until the day He was taken up from us, it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two. Find it interesting that one of the guys is defined several different ways, isn't he? Joseph, Justice, Barsabbas. And it's almost as if he's the popular guy, isn't it? This guy's going to get it. He is well known. He's known by different names. People know him. He's really cool. He's really the outgoing going. Oh, and then there's Matthias. And then they prayed. You, Lord, know everyone's heart. Show which of these two you have chosen. There's where I want to camp out and end this morning. God has a purpose through the Holy Spirit that will be fulfilled.
things happen. Tragedy happens. People die. People walk away. People allow sin to rule over their lives. But God still, God still works and allows the mission to go on. But here's where I want us to hear this morning. I want all of us to hear. I hope I've been clear as clear can be this morning, but I hope I'm ultimately and utterly clear right here. When God begins to work in life, God knows the heart. We only know the outside. We judge oftentimes a book by what? Its cover. We judge people by actions. I've known people who have had the right kind of actions for years and years and years. They put on those actions. When they're in public, they are one person. And when they are behind closed doors, when they are in these situations, they are somebody completely different. And we look at those people. They look great on the outside. They look great when they're walking in life. They look great. Man, they are serving. Look what they're doing. God is, must be working in their lives. God's doing this. And they just go on and on. And then you get the person that's sat there and they're quiet. And they're just they're just doing their thing. They're just living for Jesus. And nobody's ever talking about them. But they're just living for Jesus. I mean, they're just preaching Jesus. They're just talking about Jesus. They're just loving on Jesus and loving on people. And in the church, you know what we do? We do the same thing oftentimes that would have happened here had the Holy Spirit not been involved. We would have chosen the wrong person. I promise you the reason why in the text that he gives these kind of descriptions of one versus the other is he was saying this guy is the guy that seems to be fit. But then he says, we're going to pray because God, you know hearts. And it's amazing when they cast the lots, an Old Testament way of choosing something, the lot fell on who? Matthias. We know nothing else of Matthias other than this. But God knows. God knows how much he worked in Jerusalem. God knows how much he worked across the nation. And here's here's what I want you to hear. Sometimes, oftentimes, most of the time, it is those who are faithful, who God knows, who nobody else talks to, is making mass differences for the kingdom. And when they get to heaven, guess what? They're going to be recognized because God knows their hearts. It is oftentimes with us, with me, with others, that we think those who are the coolest, the most gifted, the most whatever, they're going to make a difference. And so we put our time and our energy in them. What I want us to hear this morning is this. God has a purpose and a plan, and the Holy Spirit is going to work. And we need to be looking for where the Holy Spirit's working, not at the outward appearances of things, people, or events. John Piper says it this way. 
the Holy Spirit has an unwavering zeal for the glory of the God-man Jesus. I want to close with a couple of questions. And I want you to ask your heart this. What are you most concerned about with your life? Are you more concerned about what God in the man Jesus through the Holy Spirit can do in your life? Are you more concerned about that or are you more concerned about what others think of you and see of you? What do you what, when you lay awake at night, when you're in the quiet moments of your life, are you contemplating my so-and-so thinks this of me? I want so-and-so to see this in me. I want to see so-and-so in, in them. Or are you so consumed with God and His Spirit that, God, I want to see you and all of you. I want your mission to work through me. I want you to be honest with yourself in asking that question. Because I have been honest with myself this week about asking that question. And let me tell you something. It's easy to see the answer to that question. It's how you see others. Do you see them first from a negative judgmental light? Or do you see them having a purpose and a plan for God they just need to be walked with to get there? It's easy to see the negative in something. It's easy for me to see Maybe if Kyle's got something going on in his life, to look at the negative and say, I'm going to go, I'm, I can't believe Kyle's doing that. I, I, he's, he's wrong. He's in the wrong. It's easy to do that. But what Christ wants me to do, what Christ wants us to do is, yes, we, there's sin in our lives and we've got to get that corrected, but what Christ wants me to do is look at him and say, man, God has a purpose and a plan and a mission for him. I, God, want to live out my purpose and plan and mission so I can walk with Kyle so that that Christ can be even more glorified. That's what Peter was looking for. Judas missed the boat. Jesus was looking for somebody else to pour his life into, his ministry into, through the Holy Spirit, so the nations would hear. Second question I want to ask, and we're going to close. end of the day at the end of your life at the end of this moment are you satisfied just because you came to church and checked off the box or are you satisfied because God is most important in your life and the reason I ask that question is this there's going to be Sundays that I preach some of the worst sermons that's ever existed. It happens. Maybe this morning was one of those. I don't know. But in all honesty, that doesn't matter if I preach one of the best sermons that human history has ever heard or one of the worst. If God's word is open and we walk in these doors saying, God, you know my heart. You know others' hearts. You do a work. Guess what will happen? 
we will walk out and it won't matter how good, how bad the sermon was, how good, how bad the worship was. It won't matter how somebody spoke to me or, or didn't speak to me. It, none of that matters. All that will matter is saying, God, I was on a mission this morning to see you and God, I saw you. And man, I'm ready to go out and see you even more. When we do that, when we live that, we are no longer remorseful, but we are repentive in our lives, and we don't look at others, and, and that includes myself. I, I am as judgmental as anybody in the building, and that's why this week this text got all over me because I am so often like Judas. I am remorseful, not repentant. And this week I spent much time, God, Holy Spirit, help me to be repentant, not remorseful over my actions and my thoughts. So, Jordan, if you'll come up, and Jeff, if you'll come up, and we close. We're going to close with a heart of worship. And here's my prayer this morning. My prayer this morning is that God would rock us to the core. God has been doing a work. We all agree with that, right? We want to see God do more, right? question is is what is holding us back that has been in my spirit this week and as I looked at the mirror the two mirrors this one first and the second one where I could see myself said God is it me that is hindering our growth if it is me God, I want to be flat on my face before you, and I don't want to be remorseful. I do not want to be a tragic end like Judas. But God, I want repentance. I want to be like Matthias. You to know my heart, and you, God, to do a work in me so that the mission of Jesus Christ will go on, the work of the Access Campus will go on, that God, you will explode because I am not hindering you well, I believe what's hindering us is us it's us it's this morning I had lots of notes that I just varied from this morning a lot matter of fact I rarely rarely went to them because last three days God has just been all over me in this text and Every time I would sit down to rewrite, God would not give me freedom to write. And I said, God, what am I going to do? And the Holy Spirit kept saying, you got a text. I said, I know, but I need some notes. And finally, last night, after seeing some people, talking to some people at the community block party, I got in the car to come home, put it on a secular song, and here's what the Holy Spirit said. I told you you had a text. And it's verse 15 through 26. And I want you to preach the text as the Holy Spirit reveals it to you in the morning. Oh God, I am ill-prepared and unequipped to do that. This morning my heart wakes up singing, Holy Spirit, invade this atmosphere. God, I am loss of what to do. My
heart's prayer throughout this sermon has been, Holy Spirit, what is the next sentence going to be? Oftentimes, I can look down at my notes and know where I'm going. They were a jumbled mess this morning because that's not where the Holy Spirit was leading. I didn't know I was going to ask these last questions. But that's where the Holy Spirit has led us this morning. Are we remorseful like Judas and will we come to a tragic end and allow God's purpose still to go on without us missing with us missing the blessing? Or will we have the heart of Matthias who could care less if anybody knew him he just wanted to walk with Jesus and impact people for Jesus. Yes, Peter became known. Paul became known. Matthias was unknown. But do not be surprised. I will not be surprised when we get to heaven. And guess who God has used the most? Quiet Matthias. We look on the outside, but God what? Looks on the inside, and his mission and message will go on. I cannot say those two words this morning. Maybe because they need to go together. Because that's what I'm trying to do. His mission and his message really are one word. So this morning, as we come to a close, are you holding back? Is God holding you back? You Have you been remorseful? Are you repentant? I'm asking you to be honest with you, yourself, because God already knows your heart. You and I can't run from that. We can deceive our own hearts, but we cannot deceive you. Father, this morning, Holy Spirit of God, you, um, God, God, I have allowed, um, and I need to allow you to do this every week. Um, but God, you, you know that this kind of place in my life is, it makes me nervous. I'm, I'm very structured, God, you know, in my sermon notes and the way I think. But this morning, God, you, you have been all over me, and, and God, before you again, and before our people again. God, I want you to know my heart, and you know my heart. And God, I want to have a repentant heart. I don't want to have a remorseful heart. I don't want to look at things the way Judas looked at things, God. I want to look at the things the way you want me to look at it. And God, you're asking us, just as you asked your disciples, do you love me? God, I cannot imagine what was going through Judas's life when he looked into the eyes of of you, Lord Jesus. And you said to him, go and do what you must, but with the compassion and love that only comes from you. God, how broken or how deep of sin could Judas, or had Judas had to be in to not see the compassion and Let us not be 
remorseful. Let's not ask the questions, God, why are you doing this to me? God, what can I do in this situation to glorify you, Lord? Be with us this morning. God, let us respond. I pray that our altars will be full this morning of people saying, God, I don't want to be the source of the problem. If I am, God, clean my heart up. God, I ask you to work in Christ's name. Amen. Just stand with us and sing. Um, I know.